Welcome to Bible Fellowship Church's Sunday Morning Messages. Our podcast records a Sunday morning sermon from our pastor, Dr. Don Trust, other church leaders, and special guests. We hope you enjoy it, find it inspirational and enlightening to your understanding of the Bible. Life can be hard, but God has revealed Himself to us through the Word for our salvation and growth as believers. To help support our ministry, please consider becoming a subscriber and financial contributor. Links to donate are on our website at bfcforyou.org. Good morning, everybody. So the uh, the topic uh, this morning we want to talk about was uh, was baptism. So uh, before uh, before I ask Evelyn to come up here. Um, so I was just going to kind of hit some uh, some general things about it and, and some of uh, some, a little commentary on it. So really, with baptism and communion are the two ordinances or practices we really do in church, and both of them are really sensitive issues because we get really wrapped up in what should be a pretty pretty straightforward joyful occasion on, on both counts. And uh, and uh, the scripture actually has some stuff to say that I think hopefully kind of takes some of the uh, the consternation out of it, and we really need to look at it. Um, carefully, so that we have the, the right attitude about it, because it really should be a joyous occasion. Uh, we we tend to get really wrapped up on uh, on details of how things are done, exactly what you say during it. Um, in fact, in our so in our English Bibles, um, the word baptism is not a translation; it's a transliteration. So they didn't take the Greek word and put an English word that meant the same thing. Um, if they did, um, in the King James Version and Wycliffe's Version, it would have come all across as like immersion. But at that time, there was already debate in the church about the proper way to baptize. Do you dunk, one, do you dunk them fully? Will sprinkling work? Do you do it one time, three times? And so there's actually always been a conspiracy theory that, that um, uh, King James had ordered the the translation crew working in the King James Bible not to use that because he had been sprinkled and he didn't want people to know that you're really supposed to be immersed. Um, that's purely a conspiracy theory. <laughs> what really happened is they wanted to transliterate the word so to try to take some of the edge off. And they actually used the word to avoid... Um, th- this is in the 1611 preface to the English Bible when it's first coming into, the, into our vernacular. And they said they were trying to ver- avoid uh, over... Scrupulos- scrupulosity over the term. And I had to look that up because we don't use that term anymore. But what it was is people were getting so hung up on the word and if the practice if somebody had been baptized the right way or not, which is not at all supposed to be the point. And we'll look at some scripture later. The, the point is identification with Christ. And there's a lot of symbolism. Um, people get, in the same way that, um, that people get tied up with um, communion and like our daily sanctification, how we live, live our lives, they get too tied up in that. Baptism, since it happens once when someone becomes a believer, sometimes people think that it's actually tied in to, to how you're saved. When it's really not, it's really a picture of it. Um, uh, and, and the idea is just identification with Christ. Um, so, so different denominations have got really hung up on, on how the 
how this, uh, the, the wording is permitted. Uh, we have on the inside <laughs> taped up uh, uh, different things we can read when we baptize people, and we at our church have different ones up there. <laughs> There's, I think, three different ones up there. So that kind of shows you it doesn't really matter exact wording you say. That idea is, is an identification. And we usually use the term um, a picture, like it's a picture of, uh, of our salvation and of our, of our baptism by the Holy Spirit, because we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and we receive the Holy Spirit. But the, uh, the practice is actually really more a picture, or I, like, I actually like it like a birthday party. Like, if you don't tell anybody it's your birthday, you don't get a single card, and you don't have a party, you're still a year older. It's probably not, everybody not, might not agree with that, but, <laughs> but really you are a year older, whether everybody knows it or not. And you think about the thief on the cross that Jesus talked to when he was dying, he didn't, he didn't go through any ordinances, he just believed on the cross as he was dying, had no uh, redeeming works from his life that earned him that. But he talked to Jesus on the cross, said he believed, and, uh, and uh, he was saved right then and there. Um, so, uh, and also some of the, in the, in the Protestant tradition, in, in the uh, English-speaking, you know, there's was, there was political things tied up too with, uh, because uh, the King of England was supposed to be the head of the Church of England. So the way... The king was baptized was a big deal to people because if you're supposed to be baptized one way and the king was baptized another way, that means he's not really uh, as good of a leader of the church as he should be. And if he's not as leader of the church, it's the same as not being a good king and, and all that sort of thing. So, so really there are, there's a lot of history there, but the, the, the purpose, I think our goal is to really look at what the scriptures say. And I think you'll see in the scriptures we look at... Um, there's really an emphasis on unity there, which is instead of being a divisive topic, uh, baptism should really be a unifying topic. So it does, you know, I, I was saying earlier, there's been a lot of debate about if you say the name of Jesus when you baptize somebody, or if you, the Jesus and the Holy Spirit, and, and how the word was. Some of that comes from Acts 2.38, um, uh, when, Peter's, uh, when Peter's talking, then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So the importance there, and the reason he mentioned um, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and saying the name during the baptism was because other cultures had baptism-type practices. It's not a complicated picture to see the picture of water washing away some type of bad things. So especially in the Jewish culture, they had ceremonies where there's water involved as a, as a, uh, a picture of a cleansing. So the idea was, early on, that there's, there's baptism-type practices in all religions. The idea is just so that Christians can have a common thread that when they were baptized... It was clearly to be as an identification with Jesus. So um, that, that was the idea there. Um, and it really, again, should be, the stress should be on the unity uh, and not, in a, uh, not in, on division. Um, so when you're looking at scriptures, you do have to look at whether they're talking about the baptism of the water or the Holy Spirit. Um, and again, the water is symbolic. But I would say one unique thing about... Um, Christian baptism, there's a, there's a little nuance to it. So let's go to 1 Peter 3. 1 Peter 3, uh, verse, uh, let's start in verse 20. Uh, this is talking about the flood. 
who formerly were disobedient, when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. There is also an antitype which now saves us, baptism, which is not the removal of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers, having been made subject to him. So the, uh, the nuance there they were talking about is a lot of uh, religious was like the, the water involved in the religion had to do with like it's washing something away. It's physically different. The, the nuance there is, is if you think about the ark, the water isn't what saved there, right? Big difference. The water was rushing, but the people were, were in the ark. So, okay, so you think about Noah and his ark were saved in the ark while the waters passed by. In the same way, we are in Christ, and we go through this water that the baptism represents. So that is washing by and it's not that water isn't what's washing us. What's washing us is the ark that we're in, which is Jesus Christ. So we're in Jesus with the water passing by as opposed to, as opposed to a, a bath. Uh, let's, um, and again, that's supposed to be a unifying effect because we're all, uh, we're all in that same situation. We are all, all Christians are in Christ, whether you ever got baptized or not. You're in Christ. You're in that ark as the waters of God's judgment pass by. Uh, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 10. Um, yeah, go to 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, looking at verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So here Paul is talking about the Exodus and all the Israelites coming out of Egypt. And again, there's a theme of unity there. Um, The picture is that they were all eating the same food, they were all drinking the same drink, and they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Um, so what happened there, just like we were in the ark or we were in Christ as the waters passed by, the Israelites didn't go through, through the water. <laughs> they went through the water. <laughs> in other words, the, 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 what they were baptized into was the cloud, just like the ark, just like the body of Christ. They were in the cloud as they passed through this, the Red Sea. Uh, the Red Sea didn't wash them out. The cloud was the one securing them, just like the ark was the one securing the ones in the great flood, and just like Christ is the one securing us today. So let's look at um, let's look at that real quick in Exodus fourteen. Uh, so uh, the Moses was uh, leading the Israelites out. Uh, Pharaoh's heart becomes hardened. Uh, the Israelites were starting to get ner- nervous. The Israelites are complaining to Moses again. And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward, but lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And that's a symbolism, just like the ark also symbolized Christ. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, and they shall follow them. 
So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. And the angel of God who went before the camp of Israel moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. And I guess I don't know if it's from watching the movies or what, but I'd always kind of thought about the cloud hanging over them. But it really wasn't. So the Israelites came to the sea. The cloud came from the front of them to behind them, they were baptized in the cloud, and they crossed the Red Sea in the, cri- in the cloud, just like Noah and his family survived the great flood in the ark, and just both picturing that we, we exist because Christ. Now, of course, the floodwaters washed away the Egyptians. They, it took, the flood took care of all the, the enemies of, uh, of, of the followers of God. That's what the water was doing. Our security was in that cloud or that ark or specifically uh, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, let's go again. And again, that's, that was unity for the Israelites, right? They are all came through, that, uh, th- came through that cloud of God's presence. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians and look at chapter 12. And I think we'll go to... And this is, this is one of the most well-known passages on unity. I think uh, 1 Corinthians 12, uh, starting in verse 12. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and all have been made to drink into one Spirit. For in fact the body is not one member, but many." And if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now, indeed, there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather, those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on those we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to the part that which lacks it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the, na- the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Um, so, uh, so again, that's a very known passage of unity. And you see right in the mem- middle of it, again, is, is that by one spirit we are all baptized into one body. So the idea of baptism and the picture there should stress our unity, and that's smack dab in the middle of this, this passage about the unity that Christians should have. So instead, again, so instead of being a divisive point, it really should be a, a point of unity. Um, let's go over to uh, Galatians. Galatians in chapter 3. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So again, we're putting on Christ 
at, at, uh, when we become Christians, just as the Israelites passed through the cloud, just as Noah led his family into ark. That is the thing that preserves us through the, uh, uh, the turmoil and the, uh, and the uh, judgment that passes over, uh, over all the earth. So that is our uh, security point, and we're all unified by that. Um, so, in fact, this is, uh, this is something we don't usually think about. Uh, you know, we see in John chapter 4, verse 2, that Jesus actually didn't baptize people himself. His disciples did. And I'm firmly convinced that the reason he didn't is that would have caused a schism at the very beginning because some people would have been baptized by Jesus, some people would have been baptized by his disciples, and that would have caused a, a class structure at the very beginning. So I, I think that I really firmly believe that that's the reason Jesus did not baptize people himself was for that very reason. Now, they still had that problem. The early church still had the problem because some people said, well, I was baptized by you know, this person, I was baptized by this person. So the problems still happen. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians one more time. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And verse, chapter 1, verse 10. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius lest anyone should say that I baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Besides, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words. Let the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So that's real important to know is that the, the idea of who baptized you and how the baptism went is not as important. The, the, the word of God is what we're supposed to be preaching, uh, not, not divisiveness. So I always think this is really neat because Scripture is divinely inspired, and this was so important to God that he actually divinely inspired Paul to not be able to remember. This is a case of divinely inspired forgetfulness, and that should underscore how unimportant it is, <laughs> the, the details that can lead to divisiveness. So I always thought that's really cool. So if sometimes you're forgetting something you can't remember, just remember God might be trying to help you there. So... Uh, I really love that. That's the divinely inspired forgetfulness, and it highlights how this should really, again, like a birthday party is a picture. We should really relax and enjoy, rejoice and celebrate it because the deed is done. Jesus' work is complete. So we're just uh, celebrating somebody entering into the body of Christ. So, um, um, so another thing that you know, a lot of people like to... You know, a lot of people get baptized in, in rivers. That's real common. That's how John the Baptist started. I kind of like the tank. And there's actually a long, long history of baptizing in tanks uh, back to, uh, you know, the first couple centuries. Does anybody have a guess why? Well, clean water probably had something to do with it. But, but uh, actually, persecution was a big deal. So if everybody was getting baptized, they're trying to kill Christians. And, you know, if somebody's kind of friendly to the cause, it's not a big deal. But when you, when you baptize them, that's, that's public. So that's, that's official. There's no denying that when you baptize somebody in the name of Jesus, they are a believer. 
So uh, there's, they, they think they, they, they had tanks and catacombs in the Christian catacombs in Rome. They think that, um, that some of those were used because they were afraid of uh, baptism in public. A lot of times they did in people's house. That was real common to use tanks back then. Uh, this is a couple years old, but this is a uh, tank in uh, Southeast Asia, is all they'll say, but um, in a communist country there, and uh, uh, they're getting baptized in a tank uh, in secrecy. I've seen like wash tubs and stuff like that, like out in the jungle where you're trying to, you know. Uh, so I, I, I feel like there's some identification with the church there. So I do like the, uh, I do like the tank there. And uh, of course, tomorrow is Memorial Day, and I was trying to figure out how to how to bring up the topic of Memorial Day, which this is a holiday again for those who have fallen. Um, who have died in service uh, for our country. And I think that's the perfect time to, to mention that, that their sacrifices is what enable us to do things publicly, <laughs> to gather together. Otherwise, we would be hiding for fear of our lives to gather together. We would be bouncing around from people's house to house, meeting at night, meeting at odd hours, to try to escape persecution and keep our lives while serving Jesus. So I think Let's, while we celebrate Memorial Day and the freedoms of our country, let's not forget the freedom of religion that the, that the people who have died and that we observe tomorrow secured for those rights. And it's up to all of us to keep securing those rights in the future. So I want to make sure we think about that as we're, uh, as we're celebrating a Memorial Day uh, tomorrow. So uh, that, was actually, uh, that was actually all I had today. Uh, Evelyn, if you'll come up. And uh, we have a special guest uh, singer this morning. So. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sunday message. We hope your understanding increased and maybe discovered one or two things you can use to improve your relationship to God and to fellow believers. If you aren't a member of a local church, we invite you to come check out Bible Fellowship Church.